Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, lift your hands and bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. One word. Hallelujah. One word. Katashamba Hosiah. Hallelujah. Glory be to his name. Come lift your hands and just worship him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. Come on, bless his holy name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, your presence is already here. We can feel it. We can touch it. We feel it saturate in our innermost being. Hallelujah. Nothing like the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. As we, God Almighty, open our hearts to you this day. Speak, my Lord. Hide us, Lord. Hide me under your blood, Lord. Let your words, which are already anointed, your words, which are spirit and life, let them cut, Lord. Let them heal, Lord Jesus, and bring deliverance in your precious name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. To the book of Psalm, the 51st division of Psalm. verse 12 Psalm 51 and verse 12 it reads restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation from the King James and uphold me with thy free spirit. This morning, I want to speak from a, a subject Restore unto me the joy, the joy, 
the joy of thy salvation. The 51st division of Psalm was penned by a man after God's own heart. His name is David. David was selected, chosen by God after Saul had rebelled against the word and the instructions of God. The first king of Israel. Saul decided it was better to lean on his own understanding than acknowledging God in all his ways. And the Bible tells us ultimately, having taken that stand, Saul lost favor in the eyes of the Lord. He was rejected by God. Saul who was selected as the first king when Israel decided they wanted a king to rule over them. The Lord had to speak to the prophet Samuel and tell him, don't feel bad about how the people have responded because they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. God God allowed the people to get what they wanted. But time would prove the words of the Lord true. Because he would not shepherd them. He would not rule over them as God had intended. So when Saul came out of the picture... Rejected by God, being in the post as king, God spoke to Samuel and said, Samuel, you have mourned enough over Saul. Makes no sense you spend any more time in mourning because I have rejected him as king of Israel. So I want you to fill your flask with oil and go down to Bethlehem to the house of Jesse. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. God's ultimate choice. Samuel went down to the house of Jesse. And called sacrifice, prepared a sacrifice because he feared his life. God told him, just prepare a sacrifice. Tell him you're here to sacrifice. But I'm going to move in the midst of the worship. Samuel called for the sons of Jesse. They presented themselves. Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely 
This is the Lord's anointed. But God corrected the prophet and said, don't look on the outward appearance. I don't look on the outward appearance. I look on the heart. Finally, after having looked in all of Jesse's son, none of them were selected by God. And Samuel asked, is there another son that you have? Because God has not selected from this group. Is there one more? Jesse said, yes, we have one more son. He's out watching in the fields, watching the sheep and the goats. Samuel said, go get him at once. The Bible said he was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. And David, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had, brought and anointed David with oil. And the anointing of God sat upon him. It's no different, brothers and sisters, ladies, gentlemen. When God selected us out of this world, took us out of nature's darkness and brought us into this glorious light called the kingdom of God. It is God's ultimate choice. There was nothing that we could do to qualify ourselves. God chose us. Scripture said he chose us in him before the very foundation of the world. Now, I want for us to understand the humble beginning of this young man, David. He's anointed as king, but he's not in the office. Saul is still occupying the office. He's hated by Saul. Saul is jealous of him, tried to kill him on several occasions, but the anointing of God covered him. Very often he would Sing unto the Lord. Very often, he would play his harp unto the Lord. A man after God's own heart. And so, the Bible said there was a time in the history of Israel. Saul, who has now been rejected by God. Faced a battle. And in the midst of the enemy rising up against the children of God. Saul has no connection with God. 
started losing on the battlefield. But decided, his men decided, the only reason why we are losing on the battlefield is because the presence of the Lord is not with us. We need to get the Ark of the Covenant and take it on the battlefield with us. And we will be victorious. The Bible tells us that, in the interest of time, that Eli, who was the priest at that time, gave them the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible said that while they were on the battlefield, they lost the very Ark. Saul died. His sons died. His servants died on the battlefield. And the ark, which represents the glory of God, the presence of God, between the cherubims was gone into the hands of the enemy. David, in the book of Second Samuel, chapter 6, After the Philistines had the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord began to act against them. And ultimately, they got rid of the Ark. And it was in the house of a Levite by the name of Obed-Edom. Seven months outside of the land of Israel, the Ark of the Covenant was absent. The Ark represents the joy, the presence of the Lord, which grants joy, deliverance, hope. But it was missing. Bible tells us that David decided that he was going to retrieve the ark and bring it back to the holy land. Second Samuel chapter 6 tells us that David gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the ark of God which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abit, Nadab's house which was on hill. Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadab's sons were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord. Singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments. Lairs, harps, tambourines, castanets and cymbals. But something happened. While they were 
bringing the ark. They arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon. And the oxen stumbled. And Uzzah reached out his hands to steady the ark. The Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah. And God struck him dead because of this. And David, David became angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. He named the place Perez Uzzah. David was now afraid of the Lord and asked, How can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obededom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obededom's house for three months. And the Lord bless Obedidam and his entire household. There is something about the presence of the Lord. In the book of Psalm 16 and 11, it said, In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. David was told that Obedidam's household was blessed. And everything he has was blessed because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obedidam to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps. One, two, three, four, five, six. David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all his might wearing a priestly garment. Nothing like the presence of the Lord. Nothing like being in the presence of the Lord and in a right standing with him. Nothing like having a clear conscience in the presence of the Lord. And David, when they took six steps, he halted, killed a bull and a fattened calf and began to dance in the presence of the Lord. The great celebration, hallelujah, begin to praise and worship the Lord. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, uh, this kind of dance is one where someone is not thinking about where they are and who is around them. They're just enjoying the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can hear David say, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Nothing like the presence of the Lord. How many of us remember when the Lord took us out of darkness, brought us into this marvelous light, 
We didn't even know how to love him. Somebody say, how can you say that, pastor? Because he said in his words, those who love me will keep my commandments. We never even read about his commandments yet. So we didn't even know how to love him. But the little that we had, we were so excited. Got to church on time. Get up in the morning. It's time to go to church. We were excited. Preacher, preach so long. Everybody's still excited. Now, preacher is a little bit too long. Keys beginning to shake. Every now and then we have these fobs. And the horns begin to go off in the parking lot. Those minds are no one something else. But David couldn't care less who was around him. He felt the presence of the Lord. When he began to remember himself in the fields. And a beer came up against him. Hallelujah. All he had was the presence of the Lord. Didn't have any tool to kill that enemy, the bear. He had the presence of the Lord. When he went up against Goliath, all he had was the presence of the Lord. Because he did tell him, I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. Nothing like the presence of the Lord. And so David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy. Why? Because they were in the presence of the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. So he could shout and the blowing of ram's horn. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She was filled with contempt for him. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord of heaven's army. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their homes. Such a peaceful. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. 
But there's nothing, Michael, like the presence of the Lord. I couldn't care less what you think of me, who you think I am. I couldn't care less. You don't know, like I know, what the presence of the Lord is. Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life because she looked in disgust and a worshiper being in the presence of the Lord. Do you think it was when she spoke, she had affirmed it in her heart from the moment she saw David? She was cursed. Brothers and sisters, we often enjoy the presence of the Lord. We know the value, how it feels to be free in God's presence. We know what it means. When our sins were forgiven. There is nothing to be compared. When we were told our sins are forgiven. We felt free in the presence of the Lord. We will worship him freely without guilt or fear. We enjoyed the presence of the Lord. When we went before him in prayer. We were clear. Our minds were clear. We would stay there in the presence of the Lord. We would wait for him to speak in the midst of prayer. The Bible tells us this same worshiper, a man after God's own heart, something happened to him. Book of Second Samuel, chapter eleven. Bible said, in the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David, the king, David, the man, who was supposed to be in war, to be at war. Scripture tells us he sent Joab. One of his main warriors. And the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. David stayed behind in Jerusalem at a time when he should have been at war. At a time when the purpose for which he was anointed for, anointed as king to rule over God's people, to defend them, he decided to send the commander and the army of Israel 
And he stayed behind in Jerusalem. Bible said late one afternoon after his midday rest, David got out of bed, out of his coach, and was walking on the roof of the palace. David began to take a stroll. Joab is on the battlefield. The Israelites are on the battlefield. David is in Jerusalem, out of place. Having gotten up out of his bed, he decided, I'm going to take a stroll. And upon the roof of his palace, he was walking and he looked out over the city. He noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was. And he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. One look on an idle stroll. A moment where he found himself out of place. One decision. David decided to stay home. Cast his eyes upon Bathsheba having a bath. And the next thing his servants were inquiring. He was inquiring of his servants who this lady was. He sent someone to find out and was told... She, she is the daughter of Eliam, and she's a married woman. She's married to Uriah, who is at war. David sent messengers, go get her. When she came to the palace, he slept with her. The worshiper. Man after God's own heart. She looks too good for me to pass by. Go get her. When she came, he slept with her. Baba said that she had just completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. Then she returned home later when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant. Time. Now she founds out she's pregnant. She sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. David sent word to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite. 
Uriah arrived. David had already orchestrated a plan. Street terms. You know what they say here? Back home they say a jacket. I'm not going to own that child. I'm going to cover it up. Make Uriah believe that it's his child. So Joab sent him to David. When Uriah arrived, David asked him how Joab and the army were getting along and how the war was progressing. The worshiper. And he told Uriah, go home and relax. David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace. But Uriah didn't go home. Not the scripture now. But Uriah was a man of integrity. Because one should not have relation with his wife when there is a war and he's a soldier. So Uriah, he slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's, with the king's palace guard. I ain't going home. It's a period of war. And I'm standing my ground. Morning came. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home. He summoned him and asked. What's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night. After being away for so long. Uriah replied. The ark and the armies of Israel and Judah. Are living in tents. And Joab and my master men. Are camping in the open fields. How could I go home to whine and die, dine and sleep with my wife? I swear that I would never do such a thing. Man's heart was in what was happening with the people of Israel. The army is fighting. How can I go merry making when there's a war at hand? I swear. That I would never do such a thing. He disobeyed the king. David said. Well stay here today. And tomorrow you may return to the army. So Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day. And the next. Then David invited him to the dinner. And got him drunk. It takes one Open door to invite a flood of sinful acts. One single door. It was only a look on that tree with the fruit that God commanded Adam and Eve not to eat of. And one look, the power of desire overwhelmed her. The next thing she said, she saw that the fruit was good. 
You know the end story. Adam himself took part. And darkness entered the hearts of God's people. David took one look at Bathsheba. That one look, brothers and sisters, the next thing we knew is that Bathsheba was in bed with David. That act of adultery, she became pregnant. And David's next move was to cover up his sin. The scripture tells us, Thou, he that covereth his sins, shall not prosper. Now she's pregnant, and there is a Uriah. Our next plan is failing because he's not going into his home to enjoy a moment with his wife. Invited him. Got him drunk at the dinner. But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. The drunk man slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guard. So the next morning, David wrote a letter to Joab and gave it to Uriah to deliver. The letter instructed Joab, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is hot. The worshippers. Station him on the front line. Where the bot- battle is hot. Then pull back. So that he will be killed. So Joab assigned Uriah to a spot. Brothers and sisters. The servant. Was exercising integrity. He had a letter from the king and he didn't even open it. A letter with instructions that would cause him to die. Brought it to Joab, delivered it. Joab stationed him at the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Then pull back so that he will be killed. Bible said, when the enemy soldiers came out the city to fight, Uriah the Hittite was killed along with several other Israelite soldiers. So David's plan, it worked, but it cost more lives. Other innocent men died. Why? One look. One look. One decision. I'm not going to war. One stroll on a rooftop. One woman taking a bath. Now we have a woman who is pregnant. A husband who is deceased. And other lives which are lost. 
Then Joab sent the battle to report to David. He told his messengers, report all the news of the battle to the king. But he might get angry and ask, why did the troops go so close to the city? Didn't they know there would be shooting from the walls? How comes we lose so many men? David says, Joab says, make sure you tell him. Uriah is dead. When they gave David the report, the Bible said, he told Joab not to be discouraged. The sword devours this one today and that one tomorrow. Fight harder next time and conquer the city. Don't you worry about the lives that are lost. Don't be discouraged. You know, you got to be a man of war. The sword will take out one today and take out one tomorrow. But fight harder the next time and conquer the city. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, she mourned for him. When the period of mourning was over, David sent for her. Brought her to the palace and she became one of his wives. But she gave birth to a son. The Lord was displeased with what David had done. What is that one thing? That one decision that has led us away from the path of life. That one decision that has caused us not to be free in the presence of the Lord. That one decision that has caused us not to feel the presence of the Lord. That one decision that has caused us to sin in several ways. But the scripture tells us the eyes of the Lord are everywhere. Beholding the very good and the evil. So God says now to his prophet Nathan. Go down to the house of David. I've got a word for him. Somebody say one word. David has legalized this marriage because she's no longer bound. Uriah is dead. David is in his palace. But one word is coming down to the palace of David. Can you handle that one word? The Bible says that Nathan the prophet 
came to David and began to talk to him. Using a parable, a story. He said, David, there were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. This rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and he grew up with his children. He ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled that little lamb in his arms. That's all he had. Like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock, the rich man took a look, one look, over on the poor man's house. One look. Hallelujah. He took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guests. David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. The sin of covetousness. Brothers and sisters, in this story, what we have here is the evil inclination that spirit that roams that seeks to kill and to destroy he is the guest that showed up at the rich man's house it's called desire loss covetousness it's the guest that arrived at the rich man's house when he turns up at the rich man's house the rich man desires to please the guest to please covetousness Bible said that one look on the poor man's flock took from him the only animal, sheep that he had and prepared it for a guest. When David heard, he was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing, deserves to die. He must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. See, brothers and sisters, 
David is now quoting scriptures. Because since you stole it, you must repay fourfold. But David, what about Uriah's wife? What about Uriah himself who is now dead? Along with the other soldiers who lost their lives. And Nathan said to David, you are that man. The Lord God of Israel says, anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. Don't you know that you shall not covet your neighbor's wife? You shall not covet your neighbor's house or field or his manservant or maidservant or his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Deuteronomy 5 and 21. From this time on, your family will live by the sword. Because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your wife, your own. This is what the Lord says, because of what you have done, I will cause your house, own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes. And he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Hallelujah. Here now, we have David, who is now out of place. David, Who is no longer enjoying the presence of the Lord. For at least one year. Nine months of pregnancy. Living with the guilt on his mind. How can you pray? How can you approach God? How can you sacrifice? When you haven't confessed. And so now, when you look at the book of Psalm 32. Let's go there for a little bit. David now is writing about the spirit in his life. A period where he had not confessed to the Lord. He said, when I kept silence, my bones walked all through my roaring all day long. Every night, he retired to bed. The sin was before him. 
no longer enjoying the presence of the Lord. When he went back on that roof for another stroll, the sin was strolling with him. His mind wasn't free. His spirit wasn't free. Every time that, you, uh, that Bathsheba would take a walk in that palace, even though he admired her beauty, the thing that he had done was ever before his eyes. I ask a question and I want us to think this morning. What is that one thing that has cost us our joy? We can pretend, brothers and sisters, we can come to church, we can clap, we can sing, and we can play the instruments, and we can sound good, look good, but God knows our conscience is not free. God knows that there's something in there that has closed that door. Because when one door is open for sin to come in, then you can't go before God with confidence. God knows we pretend so long, covering up the sin, covering up the lifestyle that's contrary. And the joy is disappearing. Now when we come to church, we go through the motions, but there's no fullness of joy. Restore unto me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David says, for day and night, thy hand, Lord, was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into drought of summer. Sin is a burden. And sin, brothers and sisters, it's always there to remind us. After it finds itself comfortable in the house, every now and then, <laughs> you can't pray like that. Remember what you did. Don't you shout too loud. Do I have to remind you? And the believer who was rescued from darkness and stood straight in the presence of the Lord is now walking with a limp. Because sin is now a burden. Comes in the house. It's not free to worship the Lord. Sits in the pew. Can't even lift the hands. The word of the Lord is spoken and the encouragement is given. Open your mouth and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because sin 
is constantly reminding them the guilt of the sin, the guilt of what took place is reminding them. Don't you be free. You can't be free. The sin is a shackle. Burdens the soul. It stains the garment of the priest. David is saying, I can't sleep when I retire to bed. The sin is ever before me. It's cost me my joy. When I look back, when I took the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, Every six steps, I was dancing. Every six steps, I was sacrificing to the Lord. It was so much joy until my wife disdained me. Now, I can't sacrifice. Now, I can't rejoice because it's ever before me. What's before you this morning? What has caused us our joy? I'm not asking if the joy is not tainted, missing. David says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee and my iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. He's going to forgive me of my iniquities. So it is in this text, brothers and sisters, that David Begin to pen Psalm 51. David says, have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Brothers and sisters, what we have to understand when we have found ourselves in this position, what we need is the mercies of God. The forgiveness that comes, hallelujah, from Him alone. But one cannot see that until he understands clearly the seriousness of his sin. David recognized what his sin had cost him. Sin has a way of even affecting our physical bodies. He was feeling it in his physical body. Now, come over here, Brother Matthew. When David, I want you to read this. Something I want us to understand about the loving kindness of God and the compassion of God. Come here. Read this again. Then Nathan, then Nathan said to David, you are that man. 
You're Nathan. I'm David. You're Nathan. Read. The Lord God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says. Because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. I have sinned against the Lord. Did you get what Nathan said? The Lord speaking through Nathan. All the curses that's coming to his house. Curses which are more probably burdensome as well as burdens, just as burdensome as the sin. David said, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for your sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the word of the Lord by doing this, your child will die. You know, how quickly, how quickly, Probably about six, seven, eight, nine, ten verses of curses. One statement of David. I have sinned against the Lord. And what did Nathan, what did the Lord say? Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die for this sin. Lord has forgiven power of confession when David says have mercy on me O God according to thy loving kindness and thy tender mercies blot out my transgression can I borrow your jacket sis can I put it on the ground thanks here is the Lord of mercy this is the sinful man called David. And what he did, he just cast himself upon mercy. Much. There's nothing I can do, Lord. What I need is your mercy and your forgiveness. Forgiveness is with you, against you, and you only have I sinned. Have mercy. I need my joy back. Have mercy. 
And as soon as he cast himself on the mercies of God, God said, you're forgiven. It won't happen to you. What are we waiting for? Hallelujah. Why is it that you're still overcome with guilt and fear? Why are you holding back? Holding on to this sin when forgiveness is free. Hallelujah. Why are you constantly reminding yourself of the past? Lord says, I can restore you, David. I can give you back the salvation. But something relating to this sin must die. Hallelujah. I submit to you, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, that God can restore unto us the joy of our salvation. But something has got to die. David said, restore unto me. I'm having memories and it's driving me crazy. I remember bringing back the ark of God to Jerusalem. It's driving me crazy. I want the joy back. The joy was my strength. The joy was everything I had. Oh God. Now I have houses. I have land. I have a good account. But I have no joy. Lord restore unto me. The joy of thy salvation. Something is gone wrong, God. I need my joy back. It's not worth living without my joy. It's not worth living, hallelujah, if I don't have you by my side. It's not worth living if we don't have a relationship. I need my joy back. I'm a son of Hoshiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Where I can freely express myself before. Where I can dance before you. Hallelujah. Where I can bow before you. Where I can rejoice before you. God, give me back my joy. God wants someone this morning to cast themselves upon the mercies of God. What the world will never understand is the gift of forgiveness. You can't reason it out. Hallelujah. You can never qualify yourself for it. You simply have to believe on him. His name is Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. David was at a point where he's about to perish going to become an open shame a reproach he said i'm going to give your wives my god almighty to strangers and they will have an affair openly before your eyes and before all the people because that's what you have done an eye for an eye hallelujah but the man who does not cover his sins and openly confess david openly confess before the lord Confession, brothers and sisters, is telling God what he already knows about you. It's no strange, it's not a strange, it's not a news to the Lord. He knows. 
He knows when we have erred. He knows when we have opened a door to allow another spirit to occupy this temple. He knows. So David says, hallelujah, hallelujah. I've got to ask him now to blot out my transgression. And hallelujah, purge me with hyssop. Hallelujah. He said, I have acknowledged my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. I've got to be conscious of all the serious the sin is in my life. Thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou heard where thou judgest. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. There is nothing good in me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. And I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. God, I want to hear you one more time. Koshamba. This sin has closed my ears, my spiritual ears. I can't even hear you. (sighs) Hallelujah. What a hear joy and gladness. You recognize that when he brought the ark in, he danced before the Lord in gladness and joy. And David said, it's gone. And that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Every one of them. Uh, you know what iniquity is? That's wickedness. And that was the state of David's heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He decided that he would take another man's wife. And when he recognized he, the, wife, the woman was pregnant, he's going to cover it up. I'm going to have him killed. Hallelujah. When the man refused to lay with his wife, I'm going to have him killed. And cast blood on his hands and blood of the lives of others who lost their lives in the battle. Now he said, my God, blot out all my iniquities. You can't escape the voice of unconfessed sin. It speaks loudly. Go to bed with it and we wake up with it. Go through the days. You can be in a a surrounding where you're enjoying and having pleasurous activities in this life. But even in the midst of your rejoicing and the marrying, that little voice that speaks. I got you. Remember. You're a sinner. Remember you lied. Remember you stole something. Remember you have a relationship outside of marriage. David said, created me, Lord, a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Give me a spirit of integrity. That will cause me to do the right thing at all times. This heart that I have is broken. It's so, it's so pitchy patchy. I want you to give me a clean heart. David was asking for a new heart. 
He said, cast me not away from thy presence. Take thy take not thy Holy Spirit from me. See, friends, we can pretend, but God knows how dry we are when we're not feeling the presence of the Lord. God knows, and sometimes we get into the house of the Lord and we want to pretend, make others believe, others believe that everything is okay. But there's a Nathan. It's called the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. That moves in the midst of the candlestick. And he knows when someone is not living up the standard. But God did not reveal himself to the church. He's a God of wrath to kill and to destroy. Reveal himself as life. That's what he wants us to understand this morning. Doesn't matter how far the sin has taken us away from the presence of the Lord. The fact that we're here this morning, you can cry out, restore unto me, Lord, the joy of thy salvation. Hallelujah, David says, and uphold me with the free spirit. For when I have joy, I will teach transgressions thy ways. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. That's the power of a mind that is not, of a conscience that's set free. You can talk about the Lord boldly. David said, if I get my joy back, I will teach. My God, transgressions thy ways. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Only if I get my joy back. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Anybody want the joy of the salvation? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can tell when a, a church, hallelujah, has lost its joy. We stop talking about Jesus. We don't tell sinners and transgressors about Jesus. Hallelujah. Why? Because the joy is dried up on the inside. But I hear a word from the Lord this morning. He wants to restore to someone this morning the joy of his salvation. Someone who was carried away like a ship with a broken sail. Drifting along the water. Any wind that comes, it carries you. Hallelujah. One decision took you away from the presence of the Lord. But the mercies of the Lord, hallelujah, are ever sure. You can cast yourself, lay down upon the mercies of God. And I'm absolutely sure that you'll feel the power of forgiveness this morning. You'll feel the power of his grace this morning. You'll experience the life that he comes to give this morning. Perhaps... You have never tasted the salvation. Perhaps you don't even know what the preacher is talking about this joy. Hallelujah. But you know that your life is not at the place that you'd have loved for it to be. You wish you could experience life in a different way. I'm telling you that the answer to your desire is in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The answer to that life that's filled with joy and bliss is Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Lift your hands and bless him this morning. The reason why we're bound, the reason why we're not living, we're not living an overcoming life is because some of us, our lips are sealed and we fail to confess our faults. So our hearts have become a stone. But Jesus says, I can heal you. I can give you a heart of flesh. But you got to open up. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet, everyone. I want us to take a time right now, a moment right now. Begin to think about that one decision that caused you to take another turn and has placed your life in chaos. Looks good, sounds good, but you know your life is not at a good place. One word. Hallelujah. Come, Sister Chana. Hallelujah. One word. Shambo, Sarah. Hallelujah. I was on my face crying last night. Hallelujah. The Lord gave me this word for the church. He wants to reposition us. He wants to restore to us the joy of our salvation. The joy that would allow me to pray without fearing. The joy that would allow me to come boldly before his presence. But now my heart, hallelujah, my heart is not free. My heart is condemning me. I don't qualify for the presence of the Lord. I don't know if there's going to be a future with me. God knows I'm already backslidden. I just show up this morning to give another chance. I just, I just pushed out this morning, not knowing what would happen. But perhaps if I cast my life upon the mercies of God, who can tell what will become of me? One word. Shama yohola bahasanda bakusataya. Kanda bahushaya. Perhaps you have been so hurt. You become so bitter with people. You don't understand why people could treat you like this. Now you find yourself. I can control my own life. I can do as it please. But now I don't even have a song. Even the song has left my lips. I can't sing like I usually sing. Oh God, hallelujah. I open my mouth to sing, but my heart condemns me.
I remember when I used to be anointed of the Lord. And the Lord will speak through me to bless others. David said, when I brought back the ark, when we ended dancing and singing, I blessed the people. I gave every man a bread for his house and I sent them home. I blessed them. I went home to bless my home and I found a wife who was mocking me. But I, I, my mind was so overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord. It didn't matter. But I made one decision. And that one decision had cost me everything. Oh, my Oh, I don't even have the will, the power to bless people no more. I'm the king, but I can't even bless people. I remember when the word of the Lord, the prophetic utterance will come from our lips. Oh, and the Lord will anoint me to speak into the lives of people. But I can't even do it no more. My whole house is a mess. I'm out of place. My children are out of place. Oh God, will you visit me? Oh God, will you take me back? Oh God, will you restore unto me? I now understand the value of your salvation. The joy of your salvation. Lord, restore unto me. I'm casting myself upon your mercy. Oh, God, it doesn't matter what becomes of me. I'm laying down upon your mercy. I'm interested in your goodness. I'm interested in your unfailing love. Have mercy upon me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I want to pray for someone this morning. One word, hallelujah. Is there a thirsty soul this morning? Come, I want to pray with you. Hallelujah. You're here. The Lord knows you're here. Don't be afraid. Don't care what others may think this morning. Come. Hallelujah. The altar is open. Come. 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 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 Probably you used to preach, but you can't even preach with that boldness that you had before. You're compromised. Your anointing is touched. Hallelujah. Come, Manda Bahusaya.